Hello and welcome to the Bible for Worship for the first Sunday in Advent. As we begin a new church year with the season of Advent, the four Sundays preceding Christmas, we turn to the Gospel, which will be the focus of our readings throughout the year, and that is the Gospel of Mark, the earliest of the four Gospels that are in the New Testament. Interestingly, as we start the church year, we turn in the Gospel of Mark to one of its later chapters, to something that's known as the Markan Apocalypse, and we'll talk more about that in a moment. It's in chapter 13, and is the last thing that we hear from Jesus before the climactic final week of his life. Interesting that we start the year by hearing about the end of his ministry and, as you'll hear in a moment, something about the end of all things. So we turn to Mark chapter 13, verses 24 through the end of the chapter, in verse 37. Jesus said, But in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds, with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels, and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. When you see these things happening. This is, as I said, the Markan Apocalypse. And an apocalypse, while we may know it from the title of the movie Apocalypse Now or other references to apocalyptic happenings, we typically think of great uh, upheavals and, and transformations and trials and struggles and sufferings. 
the word apocalypse in its original meaning actually means simply a revelation, a kind of opening up, uh, a telling the truth about what is there inside what you're seeing so that you go beyond the superficial images and understand what really is happening. That's what an apocalypse fundamentally is. And that is, in fact, what Jesus is also doing here. How is Jesus showing us what's really going on? How does Mark use Jesus' words to talk with his community about what's really happening around them somewhere in the early 70s of the first century, two generations after Jesus' death and resurrection. The text says, when you see these things, and what are the things that have been named? Well, if we go back earlier in the chapter, in verse 2, the destruction of the temple. That took place in 70 of the common era. It's one of the key points as to how we can see that Mark's gospel was written probably right at or just after 70 as it tried to cope with the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem by the Roman armies. In verse 6, there are claims that the Messiah, that Jesus, that the Son of Man is coming back. Those get reiterated in verses 21 and 22. In verses 7 and 8, there are wars and earthquakes and famine. In verse 9, there's talk of persecution of the community. In verse 12, betrayal of family members by one another. And in verse 14, something called the desolating sacrilege. The desolating sacrilege, a phrase that comes originally from the Old Testament book of Daniel, where it referred to a Syrian emperor who had his own statue set up in the temple of Jerusalem in the second century BCE when he had conquered Jerusalem. Here it likely refers to the Roman general Titus who was at the head of that 10th Roman legion that came into Jerusalem in 70 and destroyed the temple. In any case, these are powerful images that likely reflect events that were going on in the very recent history of Mark's community in 70 CE or just afterwards. Events that had them troubled, that they were trying to figure out how can we make sense of all these crazy things that are going on? And then, at the beginning of our reading for today, Jesus says, when you see these things, know that the time is at hand. And then the whole cosmic order gets involved in echoes of Isaiah 13 and Joel 2, prophets of Israel's heritage, in which God's arrival, God's bringing of history to its culmination is not just about people and communities and history. It's about the whole cosmic order. So the stars are involved and the heavens are involved. And Jesus says, this will happen during this generation. 
This generation will not pass away until all of this is accomplished. Heaven and earth may pass away, but my words will not pass away. This will happen, but you don't know when. You can't know when. Like that householder who goes away, leaves somebody in charge of the household, and the person in charge has to be alert, awake, aware, because they don't know when the house owner will return. What this is about is the truth of what's going on beyond the superficial imagery of all of the great, what it's almost like the explosions in an action movie or the special effects in a movie like Earthquake or something similar. But behind all of that surface paroxysm of activity and, and trials, what's really going on? And Mark tells his community in these words of Jesus, what's really going on is that God's reign, this kingdom of God, which we celebrated just last week at its culmination, this reign of God is about to be brought in. And it's brought in by the arrival of the Son of Man. The one whom Daniel says inaugurates that kingdom, that reign. And in Mark's gospel, the one identified in the early Christian church as Jesus. Many will claim to be that one returning. Don't believe them. Many will say, here he is or there he is. Don't be deceived. There is one who will return and who will institute, inaugurate, and culminate the reign of God. That one is Jesus. So we see the way in which in a kind of wraparound fashion, we go from reign of God last week to the anticipation of the reign of God this week. And indeed, as we move into the Advent season, looking toward the birth of Jesus on Christmas Day, we anticipate not only his birth into this life, but also his return to inaugurate the reign of God the world to come, life as all life is meant to be. This is not, despite what it looks like, the crashing and uh, explosion and destruction of everything that you know, earthquakes, wars, famines. These are not destruction. These are, as you said, the birth pangs of a new order, of a new creation. This is not defeat or despair. This is the way in which we know that God reigns in the world and that there is a world and a life and a promise beyond what we see crashing around us. If you're curious, the other lessons that are appointed for this first Sunday in Advent this year 
uh, also pick up on this imagery. They're, they all focus on God's appearance, on Jesus' return, with cosmic dimensions and with the way in which that arrival, that advent of Christ in the future, bringing in the reign of God in its fullness, is a blessing and a boon for God's people, indeed, for the whole creation. It may not look like it, the apocalypse says, but that's truly what's happening. And we rejoice, even as we wait. God bless.